Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy. The only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Coming up on a very full show this morning, we're going to talk with the Missouri candidate for treasurer, Eric Schmidt. He's going to be in studio with us in yes. just about half an hour. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, Craig Robinson, that, uh, that interview with uh, Eric Schmidt, unfortunately, was made possible by Craig flipping time slots to the front side. So now Craig is posturing... Like he's the godfather and we owe him a favor. <laughs> really now? Yes. Yes. So Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, coming up in just about uh, six minutes. How did he phrase that? He was like, maybe someday you could do something for me. Is that how he, he did said, it? He said, well, I understand you're in a bind. And I'll be willing to bail you out in exchange for knowing that you owe me a favor. <laughs> I was like, wow. And then this morning, hmm. shots were fired at the show this morning because I did him the professional courtesy of a text to remind him that he was on the early segment this morning. To get up off of autopilot. And he responded with, meh, I could do your show in my sleep. Okay. And I responded with, wow, shots fired. And he was like, lols. <laughs> I was like, okay, Craig. All right. All right. All you, know right. What? you know what, Craig? We're going to double up and put you... And uh, Travis Aiken on the same segment. And then we'll see what's what. <laughs> Who's doing what in their sleep? Who's doing just what? Yeah, you are yeah. not ready. So I'm, I'm expecting a wild and woolly and, and partially ashamed Craig Robinson after the Iowa loss to the Smart Kids last weekend. Coming up, I thought about trolling him when we come back. And, and we may do this. So this is just a heads up to you while you're listening. If we decide to troll Craig and reopen the show as Iowa football this week, Oh, welcome caller. back. Yes. Yes. So just be aware that we may be trolling Craig if we decide to do that this morning here on the morning meeting. Before we get to that, though, all the things that are going on in the world, and we'll get to the debate coming up on Sunday night in St. Louis with Craig, a number of issues with Eric Schmidt on the back half of the show as mm -hmm. well. But with all the issues going on uh, nationally, around the world, you have the, uh, the economy still sputtering and the presidential debates being very, um, well, I hate to use the word caddy, but it's the first one that comes to mind with some of the uh, jibes that have been uh, used by each candidate uh, at each other and at each other's policies. Good to know that President Obama, we didn't have time to mention this on the show yesterday, President Obama welcomed the news from Paris on Wednesday that an agreement on climate change will take effect next month. And this agreement on climate change that will take effect next month will have what effect on anybody the agreement in which the u.s is participating requires but is non-binding so that means so if you, you want to get in you get in but if you don't want to there's nothing they can do about it uh, it requires governments to present national plans that would reduce emissions to in turn limit global temperature rise to below 3.6 degrees fahrenheit how that's a good question quaid can 
any government declare that they can control that? How At some point in time, you have to be able to check yourself and say, some things are beyond our control. Some things are beyond government's control. So there's a couple of things going on here. Either Get a, to work on the weather net. They're, they're, they're too in love with their own power and think that they have this power or, that they really don't have. Or the image of their own power, or yes. The ima- or, or they actually do have this power and we just aren't aware of it and they won't fully explain how and why and all of that. And I don't think that's the case. Are you turning this into conspiracy theory Friday? I'm just trying to figure out how you can make this stance and come forward and make this. is. It's not like this was in private. This is a public thing. We're going to agree to make sure that temperatures don't rise. And and where do you make a climate change agreement announcement? The Rose Garden. I... If they have if they do have control over the weather, there's a whole bunch of residents of the southeast of this country that want to talk to you right now. Yeah. Hi. What did they do to you? I mean, is this is this because you're into like Batman villain territory at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You're at Dr. Evil level <laughs> situation. We used our moon laser <laughs> to make a hurricane. I've said it before. It's it's the number one improvement that uh, I want from the Star Trek universe. It's not. I mean, yes, uh, you know, teleporters would be great. Warp drive would be great. Phasers set to stun would be awesome. But the number one invention is the weather net. Think of all of the things that you could control. You can control drought. You can control too much rainfall. You mm. would actually maximize yeah. production. Go uh, ahead, Josh. Crops. Now, you now would make you more know. of the country livable. Come on, Josh. Bring now, it. Now, you know that the second somebody came up with something, oh, look at all the goo we can do, somebody would mess it up. Well, just from the, the stance that you can't please all of the people all of the time, somebody is always going to have beef. With right. the way it's being used. It, you can never make this work so that everybody's on board. And but, also, not everybody's going to be happy with, happy with a weather cannon. It's just not going to happen. Well, no, not not the weaponized version. Well, but just, well even, know, even with the non-weaponized version, someone's going to be like, you know, maybe right. we should. And you guys are right, because as soon as you use the weather net for, quote, good, to basically make humidity in the Midwest in the summer 40% instead of 90 then the property on the coast is going to lose value because it's livable in the Midwest property at that point. And, so and what happens, people are going to be upset. What happens to the climate if all of a sudden the humidity here changes into something that it's not? Now you're affecting the climate. Yeah, but my it, hair it, would look fabulous. Wait, but, really? That's the response really? you're going to get that, from a lot of people. That, that's that Sean's good. hair would that's, look that's no, no, that they're, I'm speaking on their behalf oh. as their mouthpiece. <laughs> <laughs> You've I, never heard anybody around you go, oh, this humidity. My hair will I'm thinking mostly of female acquaintances and friends. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's just ridiculous. All right, you got one on us there. All right. All right. All right. We've gone too far on this ledge. As usual. As usual. The president uh, is static about getting the U.S. mired into a climate change Just compromise. as he's getting ready to leave. Just as he's getting ready to leave. Just as his own party is turning on him over Obamacare. Just as the economy continues to, to grind itself to pieces. So what are they happy about? That reveals a lot of what motivations are. Coming up next, the man who says he can do this show in his sleep, Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We missed stuff. Moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
WTAD. That's one of your better moves. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Squade, alongside you. It is time for this week's dose of the Iowa Republican. Craig Robinson, do not be alarmed. Your clocks have not been set back on you. Uh, Craig with us on the uh, early show segment today on a fizzy beverage Friday as uh, Quade just popped open his uh, one percenters root beer there. That looks awfully spectacular. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, we're just hoping uh, that you're awake, Craig Robinson, and not asleep, Craig Robinson, doing the show <laughs> with us this morning here on the morning meeting. Let's get to what happened before we get to what is going to happen. Vice President debate this week. So many people watched it, thought that it was, in fact, Pence who won that debate. But there was a, a telling notion that came out of it afterwards, and it was from Jake Tapper. He said, sure, Pence won the debate. But will that be the story that's reflected in the media the rest of the week? Right afterwards, we heard Joe Scarborough say, oh, it's, it, it, that debate didn't matter. What matters is we have to get Bill Clinton to stop campaigning. And then Rachel Maddow said, quote, it turns out no one watched the VP debate, so we don't have to worry about what happened. It seems that uh, Tapper was prescient or at least honest with the role that the media was going to play after that, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought the debate was very important for Trump. And uh, and the reason is, is that when you look at it, and, and I'm not surprised that the media completely doesn't understand what was going on, but Trump has problems with some Christian conservatives. And, and, and uh, Mike Pence delivered a debate performance, which I thought he looked good. He sounded presidential. Um, it, was, it was very well delivered. His temperament was right, but he also gave enough, I thought, to the base Republicans on on issues that they some people really are passionate about to say, okay, I feel a little more comfortable with this ticket, knowing that that Mike Pence is not only you know a, a presence here, but really advocates for the issues that I that I'm passionate about. So I thought it was a really good debate for him. I thought Tim Kaine looked awful. I kept yelling at my television set during this. I mean, he looked like, you know, some, uh, you know, petty little high schooler, uh, you know, smirking every time he interrupted someone. Uh, I just, uh, I was shocked that that was the approach uh, that uh, uh, Kane took. And I think it's, you know, it's bad when the media wants to basically wash it away. But I think Pence effectively gave uh, the campaign the reset it desperately needed after the uh, first uh uh, actual presidential debate uh, earlier um, last uh, a week or so ago. Well, you were the one that christened Kane as squirrely mm-hmm. here on this show. And Pence, I was struck by his humility. He didn't sort of take the self-congratulating tour afterwards when people wanted to clap him on the back. He kind of moved everything into the basket of Donald Trump, saying, I didn't win this debate. It's Donald Trump's vision for the country that won this debate. I mean, there is no amount of money that can buy you a running mate that will stow their ego publicly so well in order to help out the entire ticket and the top of the ticket. I thought, to me, that was what was most striking from Pence's performance. Yeah, I agree. I thought, you know, again, and I thought Trump was correct when he said that, um, you know, people are saying, hey, you know, this, this is good for Donald because he picked Pence, and that is true. 
and and uh, I do think Trump deserves a little credit on here, whereas no one really is going to give it to him. But I think that that he deserves, um, you know, this was the right pick. It's what Donald Trump, I think, really needed uh, in a running mate. Greg Robinson, the Iowa Republican, our guest this morning. How will what happened in the VP debates affect what's coming up Sunday night, uh, Craig? Well, I think there's there's two things to look at it. First of all, um, Tim Kaine's behavior uh, on uh, during this vice presidential debate, I think, is a clear tell that the Democrats have major problems with their own base. The fact that he felt or was told to be the aggressor, to rough, to rough up Pence, to you know continue this. We talked about this last week. To continue this laundry list of things that Trump is unelectable. Um, so I think we're going to see more of this from from Hillary. Uh, on the other hand, I think you're going to see more. I, I think this was an example for Trump to look to to say, "Hey, this is how you go about it." Um, and I think. It's not just sitting and watching someone do it that's going to help Trump. I think for Trump to actually say, yeah, I think this is the right approach, is that he's going to watch the media's reaction to Pence's performance. And I think now he probably understands, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to be the aggressor, but I don't need to run down every rabbit trail that presents itself. Coming up on Sunday, there will be a different format to the debate. It'll be a town hall-style debate. And the, the way the, lay, the debate has been laid out for form is that the questions that come from the audience are supposed to be about 50%, but that they are going to be coming from, quote, undecided voters. That's a hard target to try and acquire and then acquire intelligent questions from, Craig. Is that just cover for the moderators to pick whatever questions they want to throw at the candidates and say they're from undecided voters? What's that process like? You've been involved with campaigning before. How much input are the campaigns getting here, if any? And, and what None. is this process really looking like? Well, here's the, here's the one thing, too, uh, that, that gives me a little calm about this, is that at least it's, it's Anderson Cooper moderating uh, this event versus some woman that I've never seen or heard from in my life. I mean, this is a general election, um, and I had never seen the gal that they had moderate the the vice presidential debate, and and thus she had no control over it. So I think the I think Anderson Cooper is a great moderator, um, a, a good choice, and I think that um, it will be fair. Um, there, I, I thought Lester Holt, like, I mean. If we're going to get into birtherism, <laughs> there's a lot we need to get into with Hillary Clinton that he didn't go into. Uh, but I think that, that Anderson Cooper will do a good job. And it's going to be on you know Donald Trump, too, to, to make sure that he brings up the points that he, he needs to bring up in that debate. Who's the co-host for Cooper? I know there's going to be one. I can't think of who it is. Uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure. Craig Robinson. I was impressed that I remembered Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Some of the questions, Craig, are, are like Sean had mentioned, uh, going to be coming from uh, the people who've submitted them online. The Democrats uh, working the get out the vote for some of these questions. Uh, one of the ones that they would like to have asked of Donald Trump is, Hi, I'm six-year-old American citizen. If you deport my parents, what happens to me my heart is very sad. The, 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 hey, 
They don't, you know, they don't need a campaign to get that question asked. You know that's coming. You know that's coming. Okay, that's an interesting point because I think it was Dinesh D'Souza who was just out with another piece. I, I don't know if it's a, a full-blown documentary that he's had time to put together, but it is a, a video piece that he has up online detailing, in his mind, the mainstream media being essentially a campaigning arm of the DNC, and in this particular case, Hillary. So, I mean, that just gives me pause. Quaid talked about it. He watched the first debate or, or one of the early debates with his mom, and, and he had to explain to her along the way, listen to the words as they're couching yeah. it, and, and she is part of a, a public who doesn't do this like we do on a daily basis and aren't exposed to it. She didn't even know how the stage was being set to sort of emotionally trap right. her before the answer was given. But, so I think this is part of the conversation. But, 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 but here's the thing, and here's what I wish Republican candidates would do when they're presented this, this question from this, you know, six-year-old, are you going to deport my mommy and daddy? I mean, okay, well, my daddy killed somebody. I don't want to, you know, don't imprison my father. I mean, here's a thing, a novel concept. Don't break the law. Or if you want to keep your family together, go back and come in legally. I mean, we're a nation of laws. And this is my, I, this is, I think in this election cycle, more than any other time in our history, have the Democrats exposed themselves that they cannot think rationally. They get tripped up over the fact that Donald Trump said that Vladimir Putin is a strong leader. Strong leader. Now, Tim Kaine said good leader in the debate. Well, if you don't understand the difference between good and strong, you're going to get run over in the, in the world, you know, in, in, in all the goings-on in foreign policy if you can't separate the word strong to good. And I think, I think that's seriously a problem with Hillary Clinton. That, and so I just think that, you know, this is one of those issues. They're here, like, it is not an insult to say that there are illegal aliens in this country, people who are here illegally, and if they get caught, uh, and let's be honest, the, way, the most of the way they're going to get caught is if they break other laws. And so there's ramifications for your actions. It's like, you know, my son posing a question on the debate stage saying, I want some really good Christmas gifts this year, and if you make my daddy pay a $200 speeding ticket, I'm probably not going to get what I want. Well, aw, cute little Luke. He needs a nice Christmas gift. I mean, come on, where does it stop? I mean, it's a joke. Well, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what we are as a country. They want you to feel like this is, to, to use the language of, of Jefferson, a nation of men. And he specifically said we are not a nation of men, we are a nation of laws. And so I think it would behoove a Republican candidate, if not a conservative candidate, to back up and say, you frame the in question entirely incorrectly. We are a nation of laws, not a nation of men and women. All are equal before the law. If you break the law, it doesn't matter what gender, creed, uh, whether you are part of the chosen LGBT community of the left or you're here illegally, then you have to pay for that infraction before the mm. law for which we were all equal. But I, but I think you, you, you said the words in your statement, Sean. You, we are made to feel mm -hmm. before we're made to think. And that was one of the things I tried to get across to my mom. Don't, don't, don't tell me how you feel. Stop and think about it before you make a comment or, or statement. Don't feel, think. Greg Robinson. Well, and the thing, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, is you have, I mean, 
liberals in this country constantly make, you know, couch this in a very emotional way that you want to give, you want to make people happy. You want to make them feel good you, and because they want them to vote for them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's why they're doing it. And then their campaign against Trump, which I actually think is flawed, is that they, they want you to feel bad about Trump, that he's unelectable, he doesn't have the temperament, all this stuff. And again, that only works if you're, if you're making your decision emotionally. I think there are a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of rational people in America that actually vote on issues and, and direction of the country versus this emotional tug that the Democrats seem that that's the only thing that they're focused on. Craig Robinson with us this morning. Craig, one more thing uh, for you. Wall Street Journal has a story about Tom Cotton kind of hopscotching around Iowa today with an eye on 2020. Too soon, Craig. Well, that was my comment in the article. Uh, was <laughs> if, 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 if voters need a break from any election, it's this one. So um, I don't necessarily, and I wish they would have put this in there uh, when I talked to Reed Epstein the other day about it. Uh, this is This is really... What's interesting is that he's not really in here doing a lot of things for the Trump campaign, but I think this is a Terry Branstead trip where Branstead is trying to win the state Senate, and so they're bringing Cotton in to do events for a whole bunch of uh, state Senate candidates and get into other parts of the state to kind of you know, help, help these candidates get over the, uh, get over the hump. And so um, I don't think really Republicans feel like this is an eye in Iowa, that this is an eye to 2020. Um, I think they will like Tom Cotton. I think it's good for Tom Cotton to come here. But the 2020 talk needs to stop. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. Craig, is the pressure off in Iowa City now? There's no more talk of, you know, National Final Four after last weekend. Are they yeah, just going to go on a run? <laughs> the, not only is the pressure off, is that it's now very easy to get tickets. And, um, <laughs> you know, all the, the stress-free uh, football environment now. And uh, oh, it's just your typical Iowa Hawkeye season. I was Hey, I was right about, you know, my... I thought they would win a lot of these games that they've lost, but obviously there's there's something fundamentally flawed with uh, their defense. No, you were worried about that Rutgers game. It was just the weeks before and after. It turns out yeah. that we're well, be and I had good reason to be worried about Rutgers. <laughs> they only won by seven. Yeah. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Debate coming up Sunday night. We'll be talking about that in the post week spin next week. Craig, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Eric Schmidt, candidate for Missouri State Treasurer, our guest next as we continue the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to the morning meeting here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. Quaid's in the process of uh, welcoming our guest candidate for treasurer in Missouri. Eric Schmidt is going to be with us in just a moment. He's coming in the door, running a little bit late coming into the studio, but that's just fine. Uh, coming up on Monday, we're going to have a full breakdown of the Sunday night debate from St. Louis. We touched on this a bit with Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, just a moment ago. They're going to be in St. Louis at Washington University. It's going to be a town hall-style debate, so it'll have a much different flavor than the first go-round. I think you're going to see more audience participation, more energy in the room, and a, a lot more chance for interaction and emotion to play a part. So we'll break all that down coming up Monday here on The Morning Meeting. Our guest now, uh, Eric Schmidt. He is a candidate for treasurer in the state of Missouri. Eric, thank you for taking the time and joining us here on the morning meeting this morning. Good to see you. It's great to be here. Uh, Why get involved and and, and why run for this office just as we start off the topic? Because you came through the primary unopposed. Right, and it's good to be back. I think it was about a year ago. Yeah, I think so. Um, No, it's it's an important office. It's an office, you know, there's a lot of uh, conversations and commercials and everything on the presidential race, the U.S. Senate race, the governor's race, but... uh, there's a lot of other issues and and uh, and uh, positions on the ballot. I've chaired the Economic Development Committee in the Missouri Senate the last six years. Um, I've authored two of the largest tax cuts in the history of Missouri. There's more work to do, and I think the Treasurer's Office can be a place where we advocate uh, for economic growth and and also uh, having an educated workforce is a really really important thing. The Treasurer's Office manages the state's 529 college savings plan. Uh, as I mentioned to you uh, when I first came on the show last year, my son. Uh, has some pretty profound disabilities. He's nonverbal on the mm-hmm. autism spectrum. I fought for autism insurance reform. Also passed something called the Missouri ABLE Act, which allows families to save for the long-term needs of a loved one like they would for college, like with a 529 plan. So the Treasurer's Office administers the ABLE Act, and that's something that I'm looking forward to on a personal level, working with that community um, so that they know there's a way for them to save uh, when they're gone for their loved one, that's a concern that keeps me up at night. I know that. And so um, so the office is a very important office and, and things are going well. Eric Schmidt, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Obviously, when you're treasurer, you're dealing with the finances. Missouri had a bit of a scary end of fiscal year 2016. Revenue suddenly decreased. There were uh, worries, so much so that Governor Nixon uh, constrained uh, some of the spending that has been called for at that time. It also, according to some reports, is going to delay some of the tax cuts that uh, may have been added in during fiscal year 2017. Where's Missouri at right now, and, and what's the treasurer's office's role in this? Well, we're, Missouri is one of the few AAA bond-rated states. Because Illinois isn't. Illinois is not. <laughs> no. we're, we're painfully aware of that. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Uh, yes. But, um, but, yeah, Missouri is AAA bond-rated. We take uh, the balanced budget requirement very seriously. And so we work, uh, I think, in a very bipartisan way to make sure we balance the budget. When we actually get to those budget votes, it's not really a partisan endeavor. I mean, we look and see how much money is there, where can we find efficiencies, and then what are our priorities? And so I think we've done a good job of that. In the eight years I've been there, we've passed balanced budgets. And um, so I think that's something we continue for. But the treasurer's office needs to be an advocate for um, for taxpayers and be that fiscal hawk that helps the legislature, that advocates for policies that are going to grow our economy. Eric Schmidt joining us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, you talk about uh, financial ratings. I think Illinois just got downgraded to triple, triple B. B. Uh, Illinois also just cut ties with Wells Fargo. Uh, Iowa has kept their accounts with Wells Fargo open. 
as as treasurer? Uh, what, what's your position on? Is that more of a political thing, or is it is it more of a financial thing? I think. Well, we need to look at it. There's no question about it, um, and uh, un- understand um, the real implications. I mean, clearly, what happened is is egregious. Um, one of the things that we've been talking about as relates to investment policy is making sure, in light of the Iran deal, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri was the first state in the country about 10 years ago to uh, say that we're not going to have any investments in any entity that does business with state sponsors of terrorism. In the Iran deal, interestingly, it was specifically negotiated by Iran in paragraph 25 to undermine those state policies. They knew that those were effective. If you think about the 30-plus states that had those policies, all the pension funds, all the investment that those treasurers control, mm-hmm. um, they knew that that was having an effect. So they trying to, they're trying to undermine that. Uh, in Missouri, um, one of the things we've talked about is make it clear that that policy is not going to change. We are not going to do business with any entity that does business with a state sponsor of terror. And let's be clear what those countries are. There's only three of them, Iran, Sudan, and Syria. So you've got to be pretty bad to be on that list. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is is they're funneling cash and weapons and soldiers to, to like Hezbollah and other people that want to kill American soldiers. And as I've gotten around the state, I haven't met anybody who thinks that's a good idea. My opponent uh, supports the Iran deal. I don't, and I think it has implications in this race. That's uh, that deal, of course, vis-a-vis with Bo- Boeing making uh, jets, mm-hmm. airplanes uh, available to the country. And if you were just in on the, uh, the the talk about the Wells Fargo, the federal government has been investigating them for essentially bank fraud, opening accounts mm-hmm. uh, that were not legitimate and, and so on. There's more to that background, but that gives you kind of the base of what's going on. Our guest this morning, Eric Schmidt, running for treasurer in Missouri. Um, Amendment 4, it's kind of uh, drawing some knee-jerk reaction. Missourians love to say no to attacks. I think that's one of the reasons that I feel so at home there. Uh, <laughs> but it's also a, a, a nuanced conversation about limiting the legislature's power in the future. I really don't remember seeing anything like this that's trying to cut something off for the future. What are, what are your thoughts on Amendment 4? How would this benefit the state or, or hamper the state going forward as far as financial projections? Well, I don't support it. I mean, I, I, uh, I think um, one of the things I don't hear when I talk to people around the state is that they feel their taxes are too high um, uh, or that they don't feel their taxes are too low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but more importantly, even in this issue, there is sort of an imbalance here. This uh, uh, there, there is a, uh, there's a lot of small businesses uh, in Missouri that would be impacted by this too. You've got kind of big tobacco that is seeking to, uh, to move this forward to kind of place a, a additional burden on some of the smaller producers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of this too. So I just think it's kind of an ill-conceived concept. And, and Missourians have consistently rejected these proposals. We'll see. It'll be on the ballot again in November. Eric Schmidt, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Quaid, you're like flipping papers around over well, there, just, like you're. Yeah, well, I, you're, another. Note, I'm moving back and forth. This is fun. Oh, I'm like in a, <laughs> I'm in a swivel chair. That's exactly. This, this is how we ping pong guests back and forth to see if you're really on it. Yeah. By by the way, Aaron Baker says hi, uh, even though he's not on the show today. He he specifically emailed and yes, wanted us to let did. you know. He's a good man. He was thinking about you from where's where's it that Make he's it. at. Making no, no, no. He's, no, a, well, he's he away does, right well, now. Well, see, uh, Eric doesn't know that he's out of state right now. So yeah. Oh, I didn't I know that. I don't know if we were supposed to share that oh. even privately, but now we've sold Whoops. Aaron Baker out this morning. Sorry. Here not, on the, the morning not the first meeting. time we've said something on the show. That we've... No, he, he's been very public with the fact that he and his wife are expecting another child, so That's they just right. had a chance to get away. That's right. What, what, oh, what, what are they calling this? Baby moon. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I never had one of those. No. I, I have three well, kids. Well, no, and... this is the fourth child. And so we, I asked him when he was on last week how he was going to explain to the other three that they weren't loved enough to, to get one of these. And 
You know, he, he kind of started hemming and hawing, but they're in, they're in Vermont, I think, for the weekend. But uh, it's 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 good. He did say to say hi. But uh, Eric Schmidt, our guest this morning here on the morning meeting. Yeah. By the way, uh, I love the segment that you did with Scott Fawn, who was on the show yesterday. You did an overtime segment on uh, this week in Missouri politics with mm-hmm. a red blazer. I thought it was quite dashing. I got to tell you, yeah, I am a uh, um, borderline uh, obsessive Cardinal fan. Oh, well, you're uh, right on the right show. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and, and so they're, uh, it's funny, I, I was at the Post-Dispatch editorial board meeting mm-hmm. yesterday, and, and Rick Hummel was in the elevator, mm-hmm. um, the Hall of Fame writer for the Post. and Also uh, a Quincyan. Yeah, is he? I yeah. yeah, okay. Native Interesting. Quincyan. All right, yeah, and so he and I love, we had like a 20-minute conversation about the about the offseason and what might happen. I mean, going after, I think, a leadoff center fielder is probably number one priority, but I love talking Cardinal baseball. I grew up with it. Um, it's one of those things that's passed down generation to generation, and uh, and uh, so I, you know having the Cardinals out and the Cubs in is a bit painful uh, mm-hmm. for me. But, uh, <laughs> but was that a Cardinal Hall of Fame blazer you were wearing in that? By the way, it is a special blazer uh, <laughs> that uh, you know. Last year we did a show uh, longer than the overtime segment, and uh, it was fun. It's just a lot of fun. I love talking baseball, and and I love baseball. So I played it for a for a couple years at Truman State, but. Uh, Realized I couldn't hit a really good slider, and that was the end of, of my mm. career. That ended a lot of careers. Yes, <laughs> Eric Schmidt, candidate for Missouri State Treasurer, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Campaign finance reform has been a hot topic around Missouri, not just in the state, but nationally as well. The state is derided in some corners nationally for not having contribution limits, and it's held up by others who would, would say that your money is equivalent to your voice and your voice shouldn't be silenced in politics. Uh, what do you think, as you look at, at the Treasurer's Office and and you, you yourself as an elected official, where do you fall on that spectrum about campaign finance? Well, I think the most important thing uh, that we can do is to have absolute transparency. Um, because I think if you do, no matter what that contribution number is, people get to see it. And they understand where that contribution is coming from. They can make decisions uh, based on based on that or, or your positions. And, and that's one of the things I think Missouri has, uh, has done a good job in the past. There may be some more work to do on that after the cycle. We'll see. But, but I think allowing people to at least see where those contributions are coming is the most important thing that can happen. But the, but the limits will be on the ballot um, this November. I think there's six ballot initiatives. So there's a lot going on. It's the first time we're talking about the statewide races here. It's the first time in a generation in 24 years where every single statewide office Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, Treasurer, and AG, there'll be a new occupant. Um, so, so there's a lot of decisions for people to make. But I think if we get this right, uh, Missouri really can catapult itself, I think, into a much better position and, and grow its economy. There, we're here, you know, overlooking the Mississippi River. It's about to become more important than it's been in 100 years with the Panama Canal widening. Our port systems are really important. You're going to have to double the number of people that we're going to feed uh, across the world in the next 30 years. That's a tremendous opportunity for our ag economy, uh, for a lot of startups. Uh, for uh, you know this logistics and distribution hub that we could have right here in Missouri. You mentioned the historic openings right now. Are you aware that the Office of Treasurer has largely been Democratic since the 1930s in Missouri? I mean, you're looking to reverse a bit of history yourself. There have been only two Republican treasurers since Prohibition. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes, I'm aware of that. I think this is going to be a different year, though. We're uh, The polling looks good. We're working hard. We're not taking anything for granted. Um, uh, it's, I think it's going to be a historic year, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to help lead the charge. The nation comes to uh, St. Louis Sunday night. Uh, are you going to be in town? Are you going to be back home? Or are you going to be out on the road? I'll be in St. Louis, and I think it's exciting. It's debate number two, mm-hmm. um, right? And uh, 
And so uh, debate number one certainly had its had its uh, fireworks. Um, but this is a town hall setting. So mm-hmm. I think that's the format that they're going with. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I think they had record viewership yeah. um, for the first debate, which is great. I mean, I think more people that are engaged uh, and paying attention, the better. So it's, it, you know, in Wash U and St. Louis has had a tradition, I think, every year going back at least a, a presidential or a VP debate for at least 30 years. It's kind of neat. As a Republican, I want to get your thoughts on a sign that was hung out by the campus Republican Party at Wash U. I don't know if it was an effort to try and align themselves with more moderate voters or whether it was a, a, a just a dissent from the establishment part of the party. The Washington University campus Republicans hung out a sign that said, Trump scares us too. Uh, I, you know, I guess in the, in the great tradition of free speech, they have the right to put that out there. But, uh, but I think uh, Hillary Clinton is much scarier to people, at least in Missouri. Hopefully, Illinois is going to probably vote a different way. But, I mean, you look at her record, um, uh, the email scandal, um, her absolute failure on foreign policy, the number of Supreme Court justices that hang in the balance here. Uh, I think Trump's going to win Missouri, and, and uh, you know, there's been a little bit of a, a, a different trend in the polls since that debate, so I think it, it's important for, for Trump to do well in this debate. But prior to that debate, things had tightened up, and uh, you look at the electoral count. The math is always harder right now, at least, for a Republican, mm-hmm. because Republicans got to win all those battleground states, Florida, Ohio, but I think a strong debate performance gets Trump uh, back on track. Yeah, it's almost like a Democrat starts with a, a head start because California historically takes their 55 votes and goes blue, uh, at least in, in the modern era. You look at New York and that situation. So the math is tough, and it's been one of the things that uh, has been a talking point. But I think you look at, look, in this year, you've got those battleground states. A lot of them are Rust Belt states. Yep. You know, and uh, this economy has hit people in those states especially hard and Trump I think is appealing to a lot of those voters and saying look this hasn't worked for you the Obama economy has not worked for you Bill Clinton is now making fun of Obamacare it's been a disaster and I think that's again you get to some of these state races too my opponent for example in the treasurer's race was the architect of Obamacare in Missouri she was appointed by Obama to run uh, Obamacare in Missouri. So I think that, you know, elections are about people making decisions and consequences. So I think up and down the board, there's going to be a a, a lot, in many ways, a referendum on the Obama Obama economy. Eric Schmidt, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting, candidate for treasurer in Missouri this November. One of the topics that has come up is either free or reduced post-secondary education throughout this presidential campaign season. Uh, Some states have taken it upon themselves to, to sort of mitigate this cost privately. I look at Texas when I say that. But there has been a notion that it should in some way be free. Now, free, we both know, is only to the person who's getting it. It has to be subsidized, taken that cost taken on, cost shifted is the popular term, to taxpayers. Government also does things so inefficiently. Once you subsidize something, the cost skyrockets for it. Uh, In your mind, is is this something that that Missouri could afford in the national argument? Or is this something that that you see Missouri needing to sort of stay away from? I think it's a political ploy, first of all. And my eight-year-old daughter, Sophia, asked me about this, actually, um, a couple well, months. Well, she could do this show, apparently. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> that wasn't what I was saying. She could. But, but uh, no, you guys are great. She, uh, she, she asked me about this. She said, uh, Hillary Clinton is talking about free college, Dad. And I said, well, <clears throat> nothing is free, Sophia, right? So that probably means other things become more expensive. So she kind of gave me a sort of a puzzled look, and she went into her room and played with her toys for a while and came back down. She's like, Dad... 
you know, I don't support that. I don't want my toys to get more expensive. So I think uh, an eight-year-old can figure this out, um, and she may be on her way to an economics degree, but uh, I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that this is going to make more things more expensive. And there's a better way for us to do it. I think we need to look at college tuition. We need to make it more affordable. The 529 college savings plan, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm -hmm. in Missouri, we can do more to promote that. Eric Schmidt, our guest this morning here on The Morning Meeting, uh, running for treasurer in Missouri this November. Thank you again for the time. It's been great having you on. We appreciate you coming across the river to the studio and giving us the opportunity. It's great to be back here. Eric Schmidt, our guest this morning here on The Morning Meeting. We'll wrap it up next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Good morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Thanks again to our guest this morning, Eric Schmidt, Missouri candidate for treasurer this November on the Republican ticket, and uh, Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. If you missed any of it, you can grab the podcast. Uh, Producer Josh will have that up in just about 10 minutes from now here on the morning meeting uh, webpage, WTAD.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Final seconds, what are you looking for from Sunday night, Quaid? Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for Trump to, he's going to have to press his own issues. I know that Craig is, is a believer that, that Anderson Cooper will be even handed. Uh, and, and, and I, and I get where he's coming from, but Trump's going to have to make his own case in, in, in a lot of situations. So that's what I'm looking for really is for, for him to go out and address the people one-to-one Can and leave the other things stripes, aside. Though? Can a zebra change its stripes? We talked about I think you how <laughs> Pence was so good, but he was so calm mm-hmm. and so mature, and he had the gravitas in the situation. That's not Trump's natural style. What? But what What did we watch Trump do throughout the Republican debates? He he learned along the way. Did, did he change his stripes? Not necessarily, but maybe they moved a, a little bit here and there. There were still stripes. He is who he is. But maybe the stripes shifted here and there. And that's that's what I'm looking for because I think that's what he needs to do. Should be interesting. The candidate's going to have a little bit more freedom to interact on Sunday night as well as address some questions that will be, quote, asked by the crowd. We'll see how those go and mm. how the filtering they, mechanism CNN works. ABC I'm suspicious. Reserves the right to choose. Even even as we vote on them, I say we, the, the, the online public vote on which ones mm-hmm. we want to see asked, they still have right of refusal to choose which ones yes, they, they have uh, unmitigated veto power something jay nixon doesn't even enjoy in the state of missouri it oh! would seem he can be overridden that's going to do it for us a couple of key football games both here tonight with qnd and on our sister station 105.9 enjoy it we'll talk to you again monday after the debate here on the morning meeting morning meeting adjourned Join us again Monday for the best talk in the Tri-State. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.